Hi, happy Monday, guys. <laughs> Today, um, I am solo here with our snack size episode. Uh, Laura is still on vacation. She's going to be back really soon. But um, we wanted to bring you our Monday, uh, Monday story to get your week uh, started off right and weird. And I think I found a really interesting one. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, welcome to this week's snack size episode, guys. Um, today, I'm going to be talking to you about the truth behind some popular uh, sayings and the belief um, as to where those originated from. So my sources today are allthatsinteresting.com because I love it. And uh, today I found out com, which I love that site. That's a new, that's becoming a new favorite um, for me as well. So we've all heard the sayings saved by the bell, dead ringer, the graveyard shift and blowing smoke up your ass. But where did those sayings originate from? We may even have heard the famous reasoning behind the phrases, but what is the real truth? And is it stranger than fiction? Uh, spoiler alert, yes, it is. So let's just jump right in. <laughs> so the term saved by the bell is an idiom that is commonly used to describe people who escape difficult situations, right? Um, thanks to kind of like a last minute solution. Um, but the lighthearted phrase may actually um, be rooted in a true scary story uh, related to a medical condition known as catalepsy. So catalepsy is a medical condition where a patient endures an uncontrolled state of muscle rigidity and unresponsiveness, um, is often linked to episodes of catatonia or catatonia. Aaron, write that down. Let me know. So although the disease is widely understood now, in the past, it caused sufferers to be mistakenly buried alive because it mimicked death. So after newspapers reported on these tragic endings, writers like Edgar Allan Poe built similar incidences into his own creepy stories. Now, the frequency of catalepsy patients being mistaken for dead people led to a string of quick fix solutions if you will, um, by doctors and gravekeepers, though many of these ideas created new horror stories of their own. So um, one of the solutions was the creation of um, waiting mortuaries, and they were essentially hospitals for the dead, where the bodies of suddenly catatonic patients were kept under observation for a few days to make sure that they in fact were dead. Um, the waiting mortuaries were well stocked with food, wine, cigars in the event that the patient woke up. It's also this idea um, is where you will have is where the term having awake came from when a loved one dies. The family would gather around. Um, the deceased would be, you know, either laid in their coffin or back in the 1800s laid, like on the dining room table of the family home. And the family would gather um, for a couple of days and um, pay their respects. Uh, but it was, you know, believed that it was also to wait and see if maybe they woke up. Now, 
Another more gruesome solution um, to avoid burying those who were still alive was to perform, perform examinations to test the deadness of the patient. People thought to be dead um, would either have their fingers hacked off <laughs> or in doing enduring smoke literally blown up their butt. But more on that one later. So the assumption was that if the person didn't wake up after having their fingers chopped off or smoke blown up their butt, that meant that they, that meant that they were unequivocally dead. Otherwise, the procedure was used to um, revive those who were on the edge of death um, via the tobacco's restorative properties. But like I said, we're going to get a little more into that in just a second. So... Um, the only problems with these tests was that catalepsy prevents patients from feeling pain during their catatonic state. So employing extreme measures like this proved to be ineffective in confirming whether or not they were actually clinic clinically dead. So true scary stories of being buried alive also spawned the creation of safety coffins. And in the 18th and 19th centuries, um, especially in Europe and Victorian England, enough people were <laughs> being mistakenly buried alive that coffin makers came up with a number of solutions. Now, these caskets were designed with above ground horns or bells that a person who found themselves mistakenly buried alive could ring from the inside when they woke up trapped underground. This would then alert whoever was topside to to the fact that there's somebody buried alive in this particular grave. So um, some of these safety coffins also came equipped with a stash of poison in case the person figured out they couldn't be saved. So other models used glass panes that would fog up if the person was still breathing. Some had tubes that gravekeepers would have to sniff each day to confirm that the body inside was actually decomposing gross. I wouldn't want that job at all. Uh, other people were simply buried with the keys to their own coffin in their pocket, which is it locked from the inside? I have a lot of questions about that particular uh, solution, air quote solution. So the bell models were actually among the most pervasive. These morbid, morbid contraptions were allegedly where the phrase saved by the bell came from, according to some. Well, while it wasn't at all widespread, there were, in fact, bells that were used for the very purpose of alerting those above that you were still alive. But it was only on a very few graves, likely from people who had such a great fear of being buried alive that they had requested it in the event of their death. That said, Saved by the Bell was actually related to boxing. As the earliest evidence of this phrase's use um, came um, in relation to the sport of boxing. When a boxer was losing, he would be saved by the bell that indicated the round was completed. So that's where that phrase actually originated from. Now, this buried alive tale could also be believed to be where the phrase dead ringer originated. 
Makes sense, right? Um, Now, the term dead ringer generally means an exact duplicate or replica. So the truth is that dead ringer doesn't have anything to do with people being buried alive. And um, as you might have guessed, given the fact that what it means, an exact replica, really doesn't have anything to do with why why it would be connected to a, a person being buried under the ground when the accepted definition of dead ringer is an exact duplicate or replica replica. So the actual documented evidence of this phrase points to an, a story entirely different. And that is horses. So in the 1800s, a ringer was a stand in for a horse at a race. Sometimes people would clandestinely replace slower horses with a faster horse or vice versa for late, um, for later betting purposes. So of course the horses had to look very similar in order for this con to be pulled off. The horse ringers obviously were not dead. Um, of course, because then they wouldn't be able to race. But in this case, the word dead is used to mean exact or precise as with many other phrases that use it like the dead center of something. Um, so that is where dead ringer comes from. It actually comes from horses and horse racing. Now, lastly, um, or not lastly, but as far as this, one of the more more popular phrases, um, the graveyard shift. Um, These shifts, uh, typically, if you've ever worked a graveyard shift, you know that they typically take place um, in the, like, overnight, late at night, they're quiet and they're lonely, a bit like graveyards themselves. Now, this phrase first appeared in the 1800s. So the story goes that is that there was always a person at the graveyard at night who was listening for the dead ringers to be saved by the bell um, so that they could save them. It's somewhat possible that such people did exist, but the phrase itself, once again, probably has nothing to do with graveyards at all. Um, Similarly, uh, graveyard watch was actually a term used by sailors given the night watch. In this case, it also has nothing to do with with literal graveyards, but it is thought to relate to shipwrecks and other disasters commonly occurring during the dead of night. Now, I think at one point or another, we have all used these phrases, um, and I certainly have used the next one, and so is my family, because we're a bunch of sarcastic fools. The phrase, oh, you're just blowing smoke up my ass. So that is something that you might hear someone say when they think you're just telling them what they want to hear. But in 18th century England, blowing smoke up your ass was an actual medical procedure. And I'm not kidding. (laughs) So according to um, Gizmodo, uh, one of the earliest reports of such a practice took place in England in 1746 when a woman was left unconscious after nearly drowning. So her husband allegedly took the suggestion of administering a tobacco enema to revive her. A practice that was rising in popularity at the time, <laughs> Jesus, um, as a possible answer to the frequent local instance, instances of drowning. So, left with little choice, the man took a tobacco-filled pipe, inserted the stem into his wife's rectum, and, well, blew a bunch of smoke up there. <laughs> 
As strange as it may sound today, it reportedly worked. And hot the hot embers of the tobacco leaf jolting the wife back into consciousness and the practice grew quickly from there. But where did the idea to use tobacco as a form of medicine come from? Now, indigenous Americans who used the plant to treat various ailments invented what we refer to as the tobacco enema, according to this article. Um, and this was on uh, all that's interesting. So English botanist and physician and astrologer by the name of Nicholas Culpepper borrowed from these practices to treat pain in his native England with methods including enemas to treat inflammation as a result of colic or a hernia. So years later, English physician Richard Mead then would be among the earliest proponents of using the herbal enema as a recognized practice and helped bring its use, however short-lived, into mainstream culture. But by the late 1700s, blowing smoke had become a regularly applied medical procedure, mostly used to revive people thought to be nearly deceased, and usually those were drowning victims. The process was so common, in fact, that several major waterways kept the instrument consisting of a bellows and flexible tube nearby in case of such emergencies. Thank God medicine has come so much further. Now, the tobacco smoke was believed to increase the heart rate of the victim and encourage respiratory functions, as well as dry out the insides of any waterlogged individual, making this method of delivery more preferred than breathing air directly into the lungs via the mouth the way we do today in CPR. So before the implementation of any official instrument, tobacco enemas were typically administered with a standard smoking pipe. This actually ended up proving to be impractical um, as the stem of the pipe was much shorter than the tube of the instrument that would come later, making both the spread of diseases such as cholera and the accidental inhalation of the contents of the patient's anal cavity, um, which was an unfortunate yet common thing that happened. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> Excuse me. So... With the tobacco enema's rise in popularity in full swing, London doctors William Hawes and Thomas Cogan together formed the, this is long, the Institution for Affording Immediate Relief to Persons Apparently Dead from Drowning in 1774. Now, thank God, this group was later named the much, the much simpler Royal Humane Society, which is a charitable organization that grants awards for acts of bravery in the saving of human life and also for the restoration of life by resuscitation. This is actually still in operation today and is now sponsored by the new King of England, previously his mother, the Queen of England. So the practice of awarding life-saving citizens has been a hallmark of the society since its inception. Back then, anyone known to revive a drowning victim was awarded four guineas, which is equal to about $160 today. So, like I said, fortunately, blowing smoke is, of course, no longer in use today. However, the tobacco enema had a good run during the 18th century, and its usage even spread to treat additional ailments such as typhoid, headache, and stomach cramping. But 
with the 1811 discovery that tobacco is actually toxic to the cardiac system, um, the popularity of the, of the practice of tobacco smoke enemas quickly dwindled from there. So there you have it, folks. Those are um, the true origins of some of our most popular phrases and sayings today. Um, I had always heard that um, Say by the Bell and Dead Ringer did come from people being accidentally buried alive. I did read in my research that about 2% of the population back in the, the late 1700s, early 1800s were buried alive because of this um, medical uh, uh, disorder or disease called catalepsy. So I think that's pretty interesting. Um, it... it I just, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. You guys can decide what you want to do with it. Um, as far as the true origin stories, um, I had always heard the phrase, oh, he's just blowing smoke up your ass, whatever. I didn't know uh, the origin of that one in particular. And I have to say, I'm, I'm really quite amused. Um, so that is our Monday story. I certainly hope you guys enjoyed it. At least got a chuckle out of it. I sure did. Um, we are going to end today's Monday, uh, snack size episode with, um, a little, uh, a little saying. So my cousin, um, sent me a gift over the holidays and it's called my little bag of sweary affirmations. Um, so they're just these little cards that are just sort of like positive affirmations. And some of them are really funny. So every week when we do our Monday story, we're going to give a new affirmation. And to kick it off this week, this week's affirmation is I am more than worthy. I am a fucking warrior woman. So yes, take a good look at that. Memorize it. Can you see it? Uh, sort of, kind of. I am more than worthy. I am a fucking warrior woman. So let that sweary affirmation be your mantra for this week, guys. And um, we love you. And we will see you next week with another weird, true history story. Uh, to that end, stay safe out there. Stay a warrior. And we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>